Hey guys, this is Liz Cambage. This is Nikki Collins. What up, guys? This is Ethan Stark. Hey, this is Imani Lee Stafford. Hey, this is Jordan Canada. This is Asia Wilson. Welcome to the WNBA Nation. What's up, WNBA Nation? It's your boy Kyle Haywood here. So excited to talk with all of you today about uh, everything that's been going down. It's been a while since we've actually chatted strictly WNBA talk because our last episode was pretty much all Team USA, the official uh, Team USA roster. Uh, we'll still be chatting a little bit of Team USA, but we'll of the three-on-three variety tonight. But to do all of this with me tonight, I've got my good friend Logan Jones. Logan, how are we doing tonight? Kyle, since the last time we were on, some games have happened, some outcomes have been produced. Uh, I'm excited to get into all of it with you, man, because uh, the standings, I'm watching the standings, things are getting fishy. Yeah, yeah. You know, teams are making pushes, teams are fading in this, you know, down the Olympic stretch here as we gear (laughs) up for the the big midseason break. So, yeah, it's, it's a saucy league right now. Yeah, it, it really is. Uh, if you if you look at the standings between number four and number ten, it's a game and a half. Like <laughs> it still is that we've got the top three, Indiana at the bottom, and then everyone else. Like that's really kind of how it's been pretty much all season long. Um, Las Vegas had a little bit of a slow start, but we knew that they'd kind of come out of that funk, and and so Seattle, Las Vegas, Connecticut, and then everyone else. Minus Indiana, and uh, yeah, we probably won't chat much about Indiana other than they just, um, I'm just sometimes confused by it's, moves uh, that that team I, makes. It's not going to be a fever heavy show. <laughs> no, actually, fever wasn't. Uh, they were in the news this week because they released uh, Lauren number Cox. Four, was it number four? Number three pick, overall. Number three overall pick, Lauren Cox from last season. So, um. <laughs> Logan, we've got a lot to chat about today. I want to—I really want to go through the standings with you uh, at some point. But first of all, there was a major milestone passed this week that I want to chat about first. The one and only Diana Taurasi is the first women's basketball player. Uh, well, I guess I should say in in WNBA history to score nine thousand points, and she did so this last week. Um, against Los uh, Los Angeles and Logan, obviously, like it's it's just mind boggling to to conceive that Diana Taurasi has scored that many points across her career. Um, what is just what does that milestone mean? Not only for Diana Taurasi herself, but what does that mean for the league and uh, and, and women's basketball in general? It's huge. Uh, people call her the goat. Um, and you can argue whether or not you think she is, but fact is, she's she crossed nine thousand, and nobody else is is within sixteen hundred points of her. Yeah. Um, so she, I mean that that's a record that you know, maybe as the three point revolution kind of makes its way into the WNBA, uh, you know maybe some other young guns come up and and try to catch her in the future. But right now, looks like a pretty safe uh, safe lead. Uh, and I do, I care about that milestone. Like your all-time point scorer in a league 
kind of defines an era of the league. And if, if that record is ever broken, that player will then define the next era of the league. So yeah, um, it is, it's an important milestone uh, in that regard. I know uh, W Twitter is really cool about stats. Like you'll, you'll see across the timeline tweets say like, Hey, be on the lookout tonight for like the 300th assist of her career and the 900th, this and that. And like every, yeah. every multiple of 50 is like kind of an, like a, Oh, that's happening. But a lot of times I kind of let those go under the wayside and just like, oh, that's kind of cool, but it's not really something I pay attention to. Right. Uh, this one this one is worth it. I mean, she's been in the league a long time. I know people were questioning her spot on the Olympic team. If you listen to our episode, I said she's she's probably the player that I would leave off for, for Neko Gumake if I had to leave somebody off. And, uh, you know, she's not on Twitter. She doesn't pay attention to that noise, but she definitely came out uh, the other night and proved why... She's one of the greats <laughs> of this game. Still, yeah, that she's still and, and I, at the top of her game. Whether whether you love the Mercury or hate him, whether you're a UConn person or not, I, I hope you can at least appreciate that you're watching a, a player play whose name is going to be on the record books. You know, For if, a very if you're a, long time. If you're going to be a lifelong fan of the W, you want to remember the days you spent watching Tarazi play. That's all I'm Absolutely. saying. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, yeah, huge, huge uh, milestone. Uh, the first player ever to do it, and uh, nobody's even to eight thousand yet. So, um, so it's going to be a little while before anyone surpa- surpasses Tarasi. Um, but just a phenomenal, phenomenal uh, achievement. Um, Tarasi currently has the number one and the number two uh, top seasons for points per game. Um, in WNBA history. She's got the number one and number two seasons. However, that record is actually in danger this year as well. Let's talk a little bit Tina Charles, Logan. Tina Charles is having an absolute monster of a season in Washington. She's currently averaging 25.33 points per game uh, through through 13 games. All right. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, Tarasi's that, that rebound total is so close. Yes, uh, I don't know if Kyle. I don't know if you remember at the beginning of the year in our preseason predictions episode, you and I agreed on a prediction that we hadn't discussed previously, but we both had it in mind that Tina Charles would average a double double this year in Washington, and she <laughs> is point four rebounds a game away yeah. from from going twenty five and ten every night. Yeah, she's yeah, she's at twenty five what is it? Twenty what I say, twenty five point three three or twenty five point four roughly. Yeah. Uh yeah, and nine point six rebounds per game. She's absolutely shredding the stat books uh across the board. Um and actually on a team that was pretty much decimated by injuries and overseas commitments, um, you know, you looked at the Washington Mystics and on paper, yeah, they had Elena Deladon and Emma Miesman and Alicia Clark, and they haven't had any of them play this season. And now we've got Tina Charles, who has stepped in and basically been the top dog of this, of this entire league right now. Tina Charles is absolutely going off um, and is a huge, huge reason why her team is where they're at. Now, technically, they're sitting in ninth place. They're half a game out of fifth place. And one game out of fourth place, so it's not like they're they're way out, right? They're right in the in the hunt in that middle pack yeah. that everybody's been talking about. And I had them pretty considerably 
Um, I, I, I was feeling pretty confident that they were going to be down in that bottom range, but this is a team that, you know, another win or two here or there, they're top, they're top four or five in the league. And that's just, it's an impressive feat. And, and she's doing so much kind of, uh, you know, a, a lot of this is you could, you could chalk up to Tina Charles. If Tina Charles is not playing for Washington this year, they're not in that middle pack. No, they're that's they're down with the say. Atlantas and Indianas of the world. You know, yeah, they're, they're probably a 10, oh, 11 or 12. I was going to say, they're probably just sitting in the 11 or 12 range. Yeah, uh, my take on Tina Charles this season is that it would be a lost year for Washington without her. That's mm-hmm. how important she is to that team. And if you're, I know there's a lot of discussion going on uh, about the MVP right now and what it means to be the MVP and whether it's the same thing as being the best player on the best team and stuff like that. Maybe her team's position hurts her a little bit, but this would be a complete lost punt season for Washington, much like last season. That's kind of what the Mystics did last year was everybody got hurt from their championship team. They decided to just kind of like, uh, okay. Um, And it looked like it could be headed that way again with all their overseas commitments and their injuries this year. And then, boy, 25 points a game is just so many. Um, I know points, points aren't everything, but you win by scoring points. So, uh, you know, I weight that pretty heavily in my mind, and no one's doing it better than her right now. So if she's not on your MVP list, at least on, like, your, you know, she should be pretty high up there. But if she's not in, like, your fringe, like your top four or five, I don't know. I mean, maybe you've just got a different definition of MVP than I do, but she's keeping the Mystics interesting. And uh, if if they continue to get healthy, I know I saw uh, Elena Deladon got a doubtful designation today for the first time in the, of the year. It's like... It's not super important because it means she's not playing, but it means she's also just like not completely like like she she might actually like dress and like put athletic shoes on. I don't know. Yeah. Um, but if if they are in the playoffs, and by the way, right now I do not have Washington getting into the playoffs. But if Tina Charles can elevate them into the playoffs, and then they have their ace, you know, <laughs> their ace MVP from the 2019 title run suddenly back and healthy. Look out for the Mystics. So well, that's, I, that's, that's that's only possible thought. because she's having this season. That's my thought with with the Mystics. Where I had the Mystics was, I was I was kind of talking to Mystics fans saying like, listen, if you are in like tenth place, <laughs> if you're in like tenth place and um, you know, like really on the outside looking in, then you're basically like. You're gonna be okay. Just wait till after the the Olympic break because you're likely yeah. gonna see an Emma Meeseman come back. Potentially Elena Deladon. We just don't know with her injury right now. But like, if you can get those two back, and you've still got Tina Charles, and you're and you're still in the hunt for a decent playoff spot, like Washington could end of the season be playing as good as just about anybody. You know, um, like like for them to still be th- doing this well at this point in the season bodes well for their future. So yeah, I'm, I'm pretty, I, I, I'm feeling really good about Washington's future, especially with where Tina Charles is sitting right now. Um, yeah. So huge shout out to them. Obviously MVP discussion has been hot button topic across WNBA Twitter. We'll, we'll chat a little bit more about that in just a sec, but you know, I think that if you're just going stats alone, Tina Charles, you got to put her in your top two or three just because she's been so dominant, um, you know, possibly 
scoring the most points ever in a season. Like that's that's huge. So let's uh speaking of of uh players who've been just lighting it up. Um let's let's talk about our players of the week that we had this last week, Logan. Um Dewana Bonner uh out of the Eastern Conference and yep. Sylvia Fowles out of the Western Conference have absolutely torn it up lately. And uh, you and I were just mentioning that, hey, th- these aren't young guns. This, these are some, like, seasoned veterans that are, that are taking home these Player of the Week uh, awards. Uh, let's just run through some quick stats. Dewana Bonner out of the East uh, from Connecticut had 24 points per game, 10 rebounds per game, and 3.5 assists to go along with that. Um, playing phenomenal basketball in a, in a portion of the season – where the Connecticut Sun were missing, you know, John Quill Jones again, potential MVP candidate John Quill Jones. Bonner steps up, takes a huge load like onto her shoulders and moves forward and keeps Connecticut right in that top tier of teams um, without them really losing too much ground yeah. without their MVP candidate to on the floor. So that's huge for Dewana Bonner. Minnesota as well, Sylvia Fowles playing like some of the best basketball she's ever played in her career dropping 28 points per game 16 and a half rebounds per game i don't know which of these three stats is the most impressive logan because every one of them gets more and more impressive as you go down 28 points per game 16 and a half rebounds per game and four and a half blocks per game my goodness sylvia Fowles is an absolute monster on the court right now i would be terrified to play against her Logan, what are your thoughts on uh, on these two winning Player of the Week? Yeah, I mean, Fowles got some high praise from Reeve uh, after the week that she's had, and I, you know, I, it's hard to disagree with anything Cheryl Reeve says because she knows the sport uh, better than I, I ever will. So I, I have to agree. I mean, what she's doing right now should put her name probably in the running with all the other good players we've talked about on the episode so far. I mean, she is the star of that team. I know it's been an Nafisa Collier team, um, and she's she's kind of been the kind of the two way player that we talk about a lot, but right. averaging she's really like the, five that blocks next a game generation. Yeah. over over a little stretch. And cool. I mean, she's basically Sylvia Fowles is over one and a half players on the court when she's out there. Like you're yeah. like guarding guarding her with with five players on your defense almost feels like you're man down because um, she's just she's unstoppable when she's in that zone and like heaven knows the Lynx needed it. I I was starting to get worried that the Lynx might. Uh, be kind of in a dogfight for that last playoff spot. They're certainly not out of the woods yet, uh, but they did themselves a lot of favors going two and zero this week uh, in a nice little, nice little home, home stand that they had. So I, you know, and then that's I, I don't want to overlook longtime favorite of the show, Dewana Bonner either. Um, man, I I'm so glad that Connecticut was able to kind of persevere without John Quill Jones because now they're going to get Jones back. They're not going to have all this ground to make up. It's not like they went 0-4 while she was away. Um, mm-hmm. they, they held down the house, right? They kept, <laughs> they kept intruders at bay, and now Jones is back to, I mean, they, she's going to want to establish dominance. She did not take a step back when she was overseas. She hasn't been, uh, <laughs> I don't think she's lost that edge that she started the season with. I think, if anything, it helped her in her, uh, in her Euro ball play over the last couple of weeks, so. Those are both huge performances, not just because going 2-0 and this week is nice and being being up in the standings and being safely in the playoff hunt is nice, but because those are two players that 
when we started the year, they were not top of mind. They were not tip of the tongue players that we were talking about every night. And now we are going to be talking about Minnesota and Connecticut for the rest of the season. I mean, these are these are players keeping their their teams hungry and in the hunt, and that matters right now. This is we say it all the time. This is the meat of the season. Yeah. Right. Like this is this is the. <laughs> The Olympic break is going to end before you know it, and we're going to be playing like that last leg of the season before the playoffs, and every team is going to be like, oh, how did we find ourselves a game and a half out of the playoffs or, or two games out of, you know, we really want to get that four seed, get a bye. Like, like this is the position we're in. Like, now is the time to set the table for what you want to deal with down the stretch. So Absolutely. Good, good on Connecticut and Minnesota for kind of sticking it out over the last the last week or so and getting those players in positions to succeed um let's let's just take a quick break from uh from running through some of these let's talk standings for just a bit here logan we've got another topic or two that i want to hit but i I may want to get some more quick reactions there let's go to the standings right now um you know we've got seattle is currently half a game ahead of Las Vegas. Las Vegas just got the W in overtime Ooh, let's, over Seattle. Let's talk um, about that game for just like like three yes. seconds. Yes. What, what was ahead. your takeaway from from that overtime win for Vegas? They're, they they went two and one now against Seattle this season. That's I think that's huge because if these two teams are continue to play as close as they are, and Seattle's got the series advantage, that's. That's the number one tiebreaker, like as far as as standings go. So let's say they finish at the exact same. Um, let's say they finish, you know, one and two again, similar to they did last year, and Las Vegas has it. Then they have the number one seed, which is a pretty significant, um, pretty significant advantage because you reset seeds every time in the in in the playoffs, and it is a home court advantage uh, in the finals. So. Going two and one against uh, Seattle is, is really big. Um, it also had them gain an entire game on Seattle. Um, they currently both have four losses, so Las Vegas has played one less game. And so, assuming that Las Vegas goes ahead and, and wins their next game, then Las Vegas bumps into first place overall. Um, Vegas is playing phenomenal uh, basketball, and Seattle played great too. Now, well, the one thing I will say about this game is that Las Vegas seemed to hit the big shots when they mattered Mm -hmm. and it still was just barely enough to beat Seattle. And that's, what's scary about the Seattle team is everybody's like, Oh, they lost so much. Uh, they've got two MVP candidates and Sue bird. Like they're fine. They are (laughs) completely fine. And, uh, and, and so that's, well, yeah, that's, that's basically my takeaway was that Las Vegas, uh, had, had the, the the clutch gene and absolutely killed it in the in you know when it, when it mattered they hit the big shot and still barely squeaked out a win over Seattle so uh, phenomenal game those two teams are the two best teams in the league right now and uh, that that's my takeaway how about you yeah not much more to add other than just a huge game in a losing effort from Bree Stewart she went thirty five and eleven is mm-hmm. that right. I mean, big, big stats, big performance from yeah. Bruce Dewey in the loss. But um, obviously you're going to want that one back. That's that's probably the only time you're going to see the Seattle team lose back-to-back games all year. They also dropped one of the Mystics. Um, so that's that's kind of an interesting little stretch there. For you know, they, they still are on pace. If they win their next four games, they're going to finish uh, the month of June and start July pretty much like we thought at the beginning of the season. They've strung together 
like some pretty solid win streaks, but um, you know they're they're immortal this year, right? And last mm-hmm. year it didn't seem like they were unless you know they were sitting players or they were just taking the night off like they did against Indiana. Um, but you know, Indiana or, uh, Vegas isn't in the rear view anymore. They're they've pulled up to being neck and neck with them, and you know they've arrived. And and Vegas has designs on the championship this year. And I know uh, at the start of the year, I think Bill Lambeer was the coach who said, I think there are you know six to eight teams who who really believe they can win a championship this year. And I remember thinking that was bullcrap because I was like, no, there's three. I was thinking Vegas, Seattle, Chicago. And now yeah. with Connecticut throwing their hat in the ring and Chicago looking so bad, but then so good with Candace Parker's return and Vegas taking the season series against Seattle and Seattle boat racing teams, like they have two five-game win streaks already this season. There, It's at least a four-team race. It's a four-team race, more. and we'll see what happens with some of these other teams. You know, I think if Minnesota and Phoenix can put something together, I think they – you know, I think they both have the horses to be a contender, but it just hasn't it just hasn't happened yet. You know, we did just have a uh, Tarazi address the X Factor crowd the other night and, yeah. and essentially say we're playing for each other and we're playing for you guys and we're we're trying to make a run. Like, yeah, look out. So I I who am I to doubt what the goat has to say about it? So it's <laughs> it's hot, man. The league is hot in the streets. It's <laughs> like. It is no longer just a, a Vegas Seattle show. It's half the league is in on this race, and who knows what you know. We talked about the Mystics at the top of the show; like they would be a, a real dark horse contender. But you, you know, stranger things have happened. So it did feel like a playoff game, and they both teams knew it. Both teams, yeah. Vegas and, and Seattle, they both were teams, trying to make coaches, a statement. The players, they absolutely wanted that game. That was one of the few regular season games that really matters. It really colors the rest of the year. So. Yeah, very intense to watch. So we've got a question in the Twitch chat from this person, Steve. Hmm, I wonder who this Steve <laughs> dude is. Uh, father of the year and one of our very best friends in the whole world, Steve Schwartzman hitting us up with a question. Phenomenal question, too, by the way. Uh, we're halfway. Uh, we've got, we got the halfway mark with the Commissioner's Cup right now. Um, basically... What do you think, like, have have you, what impact has the Commissioner's Cup had on you? And has that been, has that been a win? Or, you know, why or why not has, has this worked for uh, for the league I, so far? I believe this is being adopted from, is it is it European soccer? Or, or is that the inspiration for, like, the mid-season tournament that, that this comes from? Because I know the NBA is going to try it, too. And I expect my reaction will be the same then as well, which is I definitely am going to watch it because I like the league and I like basketball, but it's not on my mind. Hmm. Um, it's I, you know, we get together, and we talk about the show and we do the podcast and we have our group chat going. None of us are going, oh, man, they, they just picked up another game in the commissioner's cup. Like yeah. we're we're not doing that. We're watching the standings and we're watching the general trends of like whether teams are on their way up or on their way down what trajectories they're on and i i think it's great for the players i think it's great for an opportunity for the players to win a bunch of money that they otherwise wouldn't be able to make and i think especially for younger players that's an opportunity that you don't generally get if you're on a rookie contract so Mm. you're going to play your butt off if you're in the hunt for a commissioner's cup ring and but at the end of the day i think every player in the league would probably be willing to trade the extra cash 
and the Commissioner's Cup for a title. So if the players are playing for a title and that's the point of the season, that's kind of what I'm focusing on. So I've got I've got kind of lukewarm feelings about the Commissioner's Cup. I don't think it's a bust necessarily, but I could also, if they did away with it next year, it's like I could probably do without it too. So mm. I don't know. Do you do you feel passionate about it? I hope I'm not poo-pooing anything that... I think you I think you're pretty about. much there. I think that the commissioners. Well, I, here I have a theory. Actually, I think the commissioners' cup right now means very little. Um, not just to to fans, but I think to players, it, it hasn't really doesn't feel like it's really been talked about that much. However, once the commissioners' cup is over and that bonus money hits yeah. for that team, I think all of a sudden the players go, oh. <laughs> yeah, we're going to take this more seriously next year because those guys just got a stack of cash. And I think I'm super down with that. I think that's where I, I don't I don't think it's I don't know if I would call it a failure. I think that it's just something new that people aren't really talking about and considering as much. But I think once that first bonus money comes through for winning the thing, I think players are going to start to be like, oh, and especially this year because it's a it's an Olympic year. Um, you've had so many players with like other commitments that you know. Usually, if people are gone, it's because it's injuries. This year has been so much, you know. Oh, I got to go play for this national team for a little bit, or you know, um, that that's taken some of that away from from this year. But maybe next year, we've already we've seen how it has worked. We've celebrated it. Players have seen bonus money come through. Now, next year, maybe is when it starts to gain a little bit more traction. Yeah, um, I can see that. Yeah, I, 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 I think there's some other good ideas coming through in the Twitch chat. You know, uh, our friend Minnesota Sports saying um, maybe the winner gets a better home court advantage in the playoffs or something like that. Um, who knows? Maybe the winner might not even make the playoffs in some years, right? Or, yeah, or that, that or, that's or the thing. I don't. I, I, I don't know, know if, if I want it to. Possible. I don't want. I don't know if I want it to have an impact in the playoffs because that's putting a way like, yeah. If you if you make a great run late in the year, yeah, and you're punished for not making the commissioner's cup, you know. Here's kind of my problem with it, and and any of those ideas to kind of further incentivize winning the commissioner's cup is the season's already too short. Like the all-star game happens 16 games into the year. And we talk about that all the time. Like if you have a hot first two weeks of the season, like you're going to be an all-star. There's not a lot of time to decide. Um, and it's the commissioner's cup is kind of similar in that, like there's not a lot of wiggle. Like if you're going to win the commissioner's cup, you're probably also in, in charge of the real standings, like the legit like playoff standings as well. If there's, if it was a 70 game season, and only a handful of games here and there were Commissioner's Cup games. There would be a lot more variance between, like, the true standings and then, like, the cup standings. But to me, it's just kind of a an extra way of getting the best team in the league that year money, which isn't necessarily a bad thing, but it's not a very exciting thing as a fan either. Right. Because um, there's, there's only 34 games. Like, you, it's probably not going to be like, oh, we won every one of our Commissioner Cup games and then we lost all of our other games. So even though we went 14 and 14, we won the Commissioner's Cup. Like, that's probably not going to happen. Right, right, um, right. So, so you need more season for it to carry more weight. Like, you can't do a mid-season tournament in a season that's already, like, just a sprint. Yeah. Right? Like, yeah, I think that I think that could be a big part of, 
of why it, it feels weird is because it still feels like the the season just started because it kind of did we're not that it, you know we're we're reaching that halfway point you know like we're we're really we're we're pretty much to you know a, a good chunk into this season and it still feels like it just barely started you know luckily because of this this olympic break it's going to give us like uh you know a lot of time to kind of process where the league is and 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 hop back into this other second half but yeah it, it's felt it's felt odd for me it's it's been very back of mind and and maybe that's just how it'll be you know, and uh, for the first season or two that it's that it's around. Yeah. I well, don't know. And on this is a great comment from Minnesota Sports in the chat. But like, think about like this year we're gonna have players who make Team USA. We're gonna have all stars who are separate from those players. We're gonna have NBA champions, and we're gonna have Commissioner's Cup champions. That mm. Commissioner's Cup is fourth in that list, right. right? Like of of all the things I just listed. It's the least important. Like, if you're the fourth priority in a 34-game season, you're not – it's not going to carry a lot of weight for fans. I just don't think it's going to be a thing that fans care about. Now, if the Commissioner's Cup somehow gave service to fans, like, hey, the players get money, and then next year you guys get an extra alternate uniform design or something. Like, just something that makes it extra fun that's like, oh, like, because we won the Commissioner's Cup last year, like, we get – we get to host the Commissioner's Cup tournament the following year or something like that. Like in our city, we'll get to see a bunch of like teams come and play like a round robin tournament or something. Like doing something well, directly for the fans in, would be really cool. In Major League Soccer, they tried uh, basically if you won the it was called the Supporter Shield. I can't remember. Uh, correct me if I'm I'm wrong. Uh, any soccer fans out there? The Supporter Shield and the playoffs are two different things. Supporter Shield is kind of like what they do in Premier League soccer, right? It's just the team with the most points at the end of the season. That's how you win the championship in in Europe or in England. Right, because um, they don't do playoffs. Because They don't do playoffs, dumb. yeah, and we do playoffs <laughs> here in America. And, uh, and I can't remember, one of the two of those, you get to play the rest of the next season with like a golden ball or like a special ball at sure. all of your home games. You get to play with like, hey, no, we play with this ball because – we won, you know, like, like, so when players, when other yeah, that's teams come in, cool. they're like, oh, we got to play against the team who won it last year. And I can't remember exactly how that works or if they even still do that, but that was, that was definitely a thing for a little while. But yeah, great question, Steve. It yeah, doesn't impact, uh, like, I don't want it to be gimmicky and impact the playoffs. Like, oh, you got right. home court advantage. You can just take the rest of the season off because you won the commissioner's cup. Like, I wouldn't want it to be that serious. But something to get everybody involved and, and get everybody excited. That'd be kind of cool. For sure. Phenomenal question, uh, especially, you know, uh, the check-in. And, and shout-out to you, Steve. Oh, we're glad that you're, you're popping on to say, hey, it's good to, good to see you. Um, all right, Logan. One last little uh, – I want to have a little mini discussion. And, and really, I truly mean this as a, as a mini discussion to, to kind of wrap things up here. We've had a ton of discussion uh, about MVP uh, all over WNBA Twitter. And I just want to hear who are your contenders for MVP this year? Um, if you've got them in tiers, if you got them like, hey, here's my top two or three, and then here's like two or three others that based on, on what happens could still find their way. However you want to do this, you know, maybe give me your like top three or top five that, that you truly feel like are contenders for MVP this season. 
um, who you got just kind of off the top of your head? Uh, I know my top three off the top of my head, which means I guess I, I will do this in tiers. Okay. So in order, it's Stewie, Asia, and John Quill Jones is my one, two, three. In order. Okay. Gotcha. As yeah. One, two, three. Okay. Um, and I, I realize that's boring because last year, it was down Stewie, to the, the last game of the season, <laughs> it was Stewie, Asia, and it was very close. Their numbers were so similar. Right. Um, and, and it just came down to, do you think Stewie's the best player on the best team, or do you think Asia's doing a little bit more with a little bit less because their team is less stacked. That was ultimately like the discussion this year is kind of, it's, it's interesting because they're both excelling. They're both doing like, (laughs) they're both doing what they always do. But then you have these other names in the ring, like John Quill Jones, whose, whose team is like looking like a contender because of her this year. And you think, okay, well maybe Stewie's got like her in a couple different statistical departments, but like, like obviously, I want her to be in the mix, so I consider those one, two, three, and all very, very close right now. If you want to argue right. that one deserves to be another, like I, I probably won't protest. And then I think there's a little bit of a tear break, uh, and then I have Tina Charles, and then my five is tough because <laughs> I, I want to say Candace Parker, I just don't mm-hmm. know. It's her impact on that team is just so clearly illustrated. Right, and but you know, maybe I've, isn't backed up by the amount of stats. Is that is sure? That kind of and I yeah. and I I don't want to be married to the stats, but yep. it is important. Um, it is it is something that you should pay like a little bit of attention to. I know a lot of people out there are saying like Ben Nigel Laney's playing like an MVP. Jewel Lloyd is playing like an MVP, which I agree with. Um, and in fact, if you wanted to put Jewel at four or five, I I would absolutely be fine with that. Um, I, I think you have to have there's a couple things that the past several MVPs have had in common almost mm-hmm. always they will lead the team or, or lead the league in win shares almost yes. always they will lead the league in overall efficiency and generally they will be not not necessarily the one seed but they will be in the finals at the end of the year because right. they're they'll a be, top three be, seed I think, in the, in the yeah, they'll be a top three seed it, and I think this is where this discussion is is really interesting because we talk about MVP. So many people interpret that different ways. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, uh, could you be MVP and be the 10th place, you know, from the 10th place team? Some people are fine with that. Um, You know, I think a lot of people are saying, oh, well, it doesn't have to always be from the, you know, best player, best team. No, not necessarily, but probably at least from a contender. You know, as, which is, I think, kind of that's, what you were that's saying. My, it's got to be a yeah. contender. On Twitter, I was saying you can't miss the you, playoffs and be MVP, even if you are significantly, you know, the best by you know through statistics and whatnot. It's there's so many yeah. different ways to look at this award, um, and I think that's why people on Twitter get so you know really into this is because they have somebody who's been playing phenomenal. Let's take let's take Ben Nigelani for example, averaging twenty sure. points yeah. a game. You know, playing absolutely just awesome, awesome basketball. Five point two assists per game. You know, top, uh, you know, top seven. She's seventh in the league in assists and like what fifth? Yeah, fifth in points. Great basketball player and is playing really, really well. Let's say New York, you know, is a seven seed, eight seed at the end of the year. 
does that put her ahead of maybe your top tier that we were talking about, Bree Stewart, uh, Asia Wilson, Jonquil Jones, who are all, you know, could be in the finals and putting up similar, if not better numbers. That's, yeah. that's an argument you got to, like, it, sure, is Ben, ben Nigelani playing well enough to be in contention for MVP? Sure. Will she win MVP? At this point, I don't, I don't know. I don't that's know. an I important that, distinction, I think. Yes. Like, I think if you want to put her on your list, that's totally yes. fine. But it's going to be nearly impossible for her to crack four or five. Right. Like, because as, as soon as you put her at three, it's like, who are you knocking out of those top three? Is she really impacting her team? Like, I get it. Without Ben Nigelani, that team is probably like one in 13 or whatever. How many games is it? <laughs> yeah. 16. Yeah. One in 15 they're, or they're, not. They might so be better than Indiana without her still. But, but yeah. But she's probably <laughs> worth, you know, halfway through the season, she's probably worth six wins, right? Yeah. Like, that's, that's a very unscientific way to look at it. But, and Tina Charles is the same way. You take Tina off that team this year, how many wins do they get? Probably not any. I think Tina, not a lot. I think Tina Charles has probably had like a, a stronger impact almost than than almost anybody. Or, or but Candace Tina Parker, Charles' you, team you remove, is sitting at ninth right now. You yeah, know? you remove Candace Parker, they lose seven in a row. She comes back, they win eight in a row. Like, yeah, exactly. for a lot of people, that's the math. My issue is the goal isn't to overperform expectations. And and this is coming from a, a Blazer fan who's wanted Damian Lillard to win an MVP for years and years because <laughs> without him we would be trash. So like I understand like hey this player is so important to our team like they're integral to our success. Without them we would be garbage. Like I totally get that. But the goal is to win a title, and I think the MVP has to help your team be a contender. Mm. So and and to me that generally means finishing in the top half of the playoffs. You need to be probably a top four seed. I, I'm not going to disqualify someone with better numbers and who passed the eye test better all year who finishes fifth. That would be stupid. But, right. like, in general, if, if you put together a list of, like, like I, I do believe Jewel Lloyd should be top five on people's list right now. In, in fact, I probably would put her at five instead of Candace Parker right now just because of games played. And, so, and, and because I think Jewel Lloyd is, this is kind of immeasurable, but, like, clutch situations and shot creating and things that just help your team win games she does that and mm. i i care about that but when you boil it down to numbers i think win shares matters i think efficiency matters and then you have to put your team in a position to win it all that's what makes you value like the most valuable so like laney if she finishes like fourth in voting love her to death i, I would we were gassing up laney before the season started we, yeah. we were all we, about, like, she's going to have an awesome year. Hype on the Benton Angelina. I think we called her an all-star before we had any right to do so, which makes yeah. me really feel smart. But, <laughs> but like, I don't know how you can, like, by the end of this year and, and after the Olympics and the regular season ends, there's going to be no way you can honestly look at, at Laney and say, like, I think she was more valuable this year than Stewie, Asia, Jones, like I, I think right. those names are inevitably going to kind of float up above her because those are the teams that are going to be finishing one and two and three. Right. So here's, I, I, I probably have the same exact top tier as you. I don't know if I have them in the, uh, all in the same exact order. I don't I haven't ordered mine, but I put mine in tiers as well. Except for I will add Tina Charles into that top tier, and here's the reason why. I understand her team is currently in ninth place. But I think that especially post-Olympics, if you get me Simmons back and you get maybe De- maybe a, a little bit of action out of Deladon, Mystics could potentially be up there in that, you know, 
three seed, four seed, five seed range. And if they're in the semifinals with a chance to go to the finals, and the reason is because they rode the the uh, Tina Charles train and she sets a record, you know, uh-huh. for most points ever scored in a season, I, I have a really hard time keeping her out of that top tier. And that's that's why. And then the second tier players is like a, a Jewel Lloyd who is playing like an MVP, but might not be the best player on her own team which is such a weird sentence i i know all right but is 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 playing like an mvp and still has Bree stewart you know doing what Bree stewart does um so i i would add add uh jewel lloyd and then i'd also i'd probably include uh three others that are again just in the second tier i don't expect any of these players to hop into the true discussion here but yeah, top tier um, is that you know Bree Stewart, John Quill Jones, Asia Wilson, Tina Charles is who I'd have there, and then that next tier down below that I'd have your um, your Jewel Lloyd probably leading that group, and then Brittany Griner uh, who's putting up insane numbers, averaging yeah. nineteen point eight points per game, and nine like literally average, and then ten points or ten rebounds, so averaging pretty much a double double. Um, you know, she's playing phenomenal. Arike Agumbawale, who led the league in scoring last year and also is actually shooting a lot more efficiently than I think a lot of people give her credit for. She's shooting 40% from the floor. She needs to shoot a little bit better from the three, but she's she's not, you know, shooting terribly. Um, she's a volume scorer, but she is still shooting 40% from the floor, which is which is pretty decent. Um you know, not not phenomenal, but but decent. Um, but I think so many, and then obviously Bent Nigelani, uh, who we've already talked about. I think that next tier, that next group, that all depends on what they do this second half. And as much as I know, some people will hate this. If you know, if the if the Liberty finished in seventh place or eighth place in the bottom half, I don't know if I can give Bent Nigelani. An MVP, and I know that it's, some people hate. It's okay. This. Okay, please, please don't hate me for this. I'm just saying, <laughs> it's if you've got you know a player who's putting up better numbers and is finishing first or second place, like you got to go that way, right? I'm I'm keeping them in this discussion, and I'm saying they've got a <laughs> I shot think, uh, at this. Is it fair this, to say in the second half of the of the? season still you know i think the take people are looking for is i think bet nigelani can be the league mvp in in the w someday yes. it doesn't have to be she this doesn't year. have to do it this year she just won six, <laughs> or was it most improved or, most, yeah, improved. most improved last year she just won most improved you don't have to make her mvp just because she's playing like, i think she's had a breakout season give her a season or two New York yeah, like might not, be a top dog in like two, three seasons. They might be I hope that, there. Yeah, I hope that doesn't make people mad, but not everybody can win the league MVP 2021. So yeah. like if Bree Stewart is the best player this year and people are sick of voting for her and they want to vote for somebody new, New York Liberty are coming. Like they're a year ahead of schedule, maybe two. Next yeah, year, they could be a top. They could be a top five team, and if they finish top three, Laney's going to be getting serious consideration. But, yep. like, this year, if they get into the playoffs, give her an all-star bid. Give Coach Walt the coach of the year so that we can be right. And <laughs> So you and I can and be right. And be patient because, like, yeah. her time is coming. 
But like I, I think people would go crazy if someone like Asia Wilson didn't ever get an MVP because people in like the seven and eight seeds kept winning it because they were overperforming expectations. Right. Like, wouldn't that be so frustrating? So like, like if let's say the Connecticut Sun pick up a bunch of wins and John Quill Jones just takes over the league on the on the back nine, you know, like is she going to get snubbed for MVP because there's just like a crowd favorite that is taking a bad yeah. team to like the sixth seed. No, like you should give it to like, who's doing it this year. And I know there's like a finals MVP, but I really wish they would give season awards at the end of the playoffs after. Like, yeah. After the championship. Cause, one. cause I, I do, I, I guess they do it so that it doesn't color your impression of like who the most. Right. It's like, well, they didn't win like, the title, so you don't give it to them. Yeah, I get that. But, but really like four of the last five MVPs have, I, I believe have, have led the league in, in win shares and all of like the last eight or nine MVPs have gone to the finals. Yeah. Like they, they pretty much are not going to vote someone MVP who's, who doesn't have like a really good chance at appearing in the finals, which the way the MVP or sorry, the, the way the W playoffs are set up, like you have a 50% chance of making the finals if you're a top two seed. So it's probably going to go to one of those players on those teams. I don't I know it. if that's right or wrong. I was, I'm just saying remember- that's the, that's the <laughs> method. I'm glad that that was such a quick discussion. I think that was like what twelve minutes, fifteen. It's so minutes. fast. I don't know how We're long. It was such a quick. We, we packed that in. Yeah. <laughs> hey, as we close today, I gotta give a shout out to the USA three on three team. I'm as excited about the three on three team as I am the the full like five on oh, five I'm, team. I'm all about it. I am so pumped <laughs> right now. Love the three on three. They've represented so well um, as they've gone through qualifiers and everything. Uh, officially, just so uh, in case you you haven't noticed uh, and, and you're not aware of who is is going to be representing Team USA in in three on three basketball this year, Kelsey Plum, Katie Lou Samuelson, Stephanie Dolson, and our good Twitch family member Alicia Gray. I was actually uh, watching her Twitch stream earlier tonight. So uh, shouts to Alicia Gray. It's if an you want Alicia check, Gray uh, pod. Yeah, if you want to check out Alicia Gray's uh, Twitch stream, she plays a lot of Call of Duty. She It's greatness, but it's G-R-A-Y-T, greatness15 on Twitch. Uh, go check her out. Uh, absolutely. Uh, you know what a, I'm a excited for? Really entertaining. Like, not only is 3 on 3 going to be a super fun event to watch, but those are all names that people know. If, 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 if you pay attention yeah. to the W, like, you've heard all four of those names. You know them. But yeah. I don't think you've really like watched just them when they're on the court, right? Like you don't. It right. Maybe Kelsey Plum, you know, here and there. I know Back Sky fans adore Dolson, yeah, yeah. but but like Katie Lou and Alicia Gray and Kelsey Plum and Steph, like that to just get to focus on those players. Like it, it right. reminds me of what we experienced at the All Star Game in Vegas, where we came away from it going like, "Whoa!" Like I didn't know Diamond Shields and Erica Wheeler were like so cool and like Kayla yeah. McBride. Like I, <laughs> you I really see so much watched personality. Yeah, yeah, I really watched Kayla McBride and like got a feel for her game. And now she's like one of my favorite players. And I think if people tune in to the three on three, they're gonna come away. One of those players is gonna be like their new favorite player. Like I hope it does wonders for Alicia Gray's like jersey sales. Yeah, because she's awesome, and I think more people need to like talk about her being a star in this league. So very for excited for that. Sure. All right, Logan. Uh, real quick, uh, we usually we should do this at the beginning of the show, but we're gonna do it at the end. Real quick, what's the best way for everybody to get in touch with us and to uh, support our show? 
All right, you can listen to us anywhere pods are found. You were able to find this, so uh, congratulations. Thanks for being here. Uh, we are also on Twitter at WNBA Nation Pod, and we have a Twitch channel, which is twitch.tv slash WNBA Nation, where we broadcast the majority of our shows so that you can be in the chat interacting with us along the way, asking questions, getting answered, providing your takes. I know a couple times we've shouted out some people uh, on the pod just this very episode. I know Minnesota, Sor- Sp- ah, Minnesota Sports is with us. Radio Sleaze is with us. Anila is with us. Uh, we love all of them. It's very cool that they're they're hanging out with us tonight at a like 10 p.m. Eastern time when they yeah. when they should be getting ready to, to settle in and go to bed. Uh, and then lastly, we've we've been getting more five star reviews on the pod lately, and we we appreciate those so much because they're helping us get found. And we've now cracked the top 100 basketball podcast list on Apple Podcast. And we're the first women's basketball podcast to do that, which is a pretty cool thing. So your your five-star reviews are really helping. And we get to read those on air when you make those and give you like your own kind of time in the sun, which we want to do. Um, so feel free to uh, like, subscribe, share, review, all of those things. You, you listen to podcasts. You know the deal by now. You know the drill. <laughs> For sure. Uh, in fact, we've got two five-star reviews to read out loud tonight, Logan. Let's uh, first do one it. comes from uh, Rad Dilbert. I don't know exactly how to pronounce that uh, all the way. Uh, it says, five-star WNBA podcast, getting back into the WNBA after a long absence, and I was thrilled to discover WNBA Nation, a fun, informative show that packs a lot into each episode. The guys all have a great passion for the league, and it's infectious. Appreciate that. Appreciate that. That actually that really does mean a lot. Um, this sounds lame, but like little things like that, that just let us know that you uh, that you enjoy our show. Really, these really do mean the world to us. We really appreciate them. Um, the next one comes from Pudding Cup One, which shouts to the great name there. <laughs> Pudding Cup One says, informative and entertaining. I'm the type of person that is very bad at keeping up with a team or a league that I like. However, this podcast keeps me in the leap, keeps me in the loop, and I enjoy listening. So, thank you, Pudding Cup One, for that five star review as well. Um, Logan, it's a blast, uh, always doing these episodes with you. I'm excited. We're going to be, I'm going to have a chance to see some of our, our WNBA nation family in Dallas. If you're going to be around in the Dallas area, and especially if you're going to the game, uh, the, the wings in the sky this coming Saturday, or excuse me, not this Saturday, this Friday on the 2nd, July 2nd. Uh, hit us up on Twitter, message us, or you can email us if you don't have Twitter, WNBANation at gmail.com. Hit us up with an email. Let us know if you're going to be at the game. We'd love to meet up with you. Jason and I will be there uh, with uh, with our two wives, and, and we'll be really excited to, to meet any and all of you that are going to be around there. And also anybody else who's going to be at the All-Star game, all four of us yes. will be there, and we want to do some meetup and, and hanging out there as well. Oh my so, gosh! Yes, come see us. I mean, come so see excited. Team USA before they go and win Olympic gold. But then hang out with us. But then we wanna, come we see us. Hang out. We want more friends. We want to meet so many of you in person. <laughs> we will. We so. will decide on a location and a time, uh, and just be listening in the future and, and pay attention to our, our Twitter feed. And we will have a meetup for anybody that's able to make it to that game. We're so excited to be able to see you guys again. Um, we missed it last year. We really missed it last year. Absolutely. So uh, I'm glad. Like, obviously, we're all excited to see Jason and Steve. Uh, Steve's been busy parenting, and Jason's been busy living in Texas. 
So we're, you know, we're going to enjoy being all four together, but we want to interact with you guys. It's really, it's some of the best uh, experiences we've had doing the show was going to that all-star game a little while back and meeting you guys in person. So uh, we'll, we'll pack up some merch and we'll go to Vegas and we'll hope to see you all there. Uh, yes. And we'll, we'll promote the crap out of that over the next couple of weeks. For sure. Well, for WNBA Nation, I'm Kyle Haywood. I'm Logan Jones. And we got you next time.